0: It's Thursday morning, and I'm doing something I don't usually do. Convincing my dad to put on his shoes. It's not that my dad hates putting on his shoes. It's just that shoes mean we're going outside. You okay? Which may mean we're going to get into a car, which may lead to us going to the doctor. We're going to go this way, Dad. In this case, that is exactly what we're doing. And my dad hates going to the doctor. Maybe it's a dad thing. Maybe it's a my dad thing. Either way, I have some theories. We're gonna go down this way. Number one, he came to the U.S. alone from Singapore in 1968, survived on his own. When it comes to health stuff, he's just like, I'm gonna do it by myself. Number two, All they want is your money. He's not. Not wrong. Number three. He's afraid of what the doctor will tell him once he steps into the room. He's afraid of what they'll find. He's afraid of opening his own Pandora's box. Pandora's box can look like a lot of things. Checking your bank account and seeing how much money you have versus how much money you think you have. Looking up your ex on Instagram. For others, it may be reading words they've been avoiding. Do you mind if we read the description of it together? Sure. I should admit that this is only the second time I'm reading what the book's actually about. (laughs) I say, let's take a chance. You never know where it'll take you. You're listening to Snooze, a show about things people put off, how they conquer them, but more importantly, how they conquer themselves. And I'm Megan Tan. Let's go! Abby and I are technically not supposed to be friends. That's how you and I <laughs> yeah, met. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I was like, you're from where? Michigan? I'm from Ohio. And for those who know, no. Receive, be where your feet are. We're at Michigan,
1: Ohio State, at
0: There's a bit of a rivalry between Michigan and Ohio that dates back to 1897, which is why when I first met Abby, I said, Oh, we're not supposed to like each other, but we're going to. (laughs) We, of course, love each other. We met at a documentary film festival in 2016, after an after-after party. We're driving back to our hotel, and we play a song I'll Never Forget.
1: I you, (laughs) and all my My life, life. I pray pray for someone like you,
0: you. (laughs) and I hope that you (laughs) Feel the Feel same same way. Way too. <laughs> in addition to our love for Casey and JoJo, Abby and I have a lot of things in common. Both producers, same industry, and Asians who grew up in the Midwest. But I grew up with a mom who's white and a father who's Chinese-Singaporean. I'm technically Wajian. And Abby was born in Korea. On a shaky handheld home video, a crowd gathers at an airport gate. The camera closes in on a white couple, a woman with curly hair and a man with a blue sweater who is slightly balding. People are holding a sign that says, it's a girl.
1: You have a nice trip.
0: Three minutes later, A baby comes off the plane. The family crowds. The man, wearing a blue sweater, sweeps the baby into his arms and welcomes her into the family.
1: I always forget that I'm adopted. But my parents always made it a point to not only tell me that I was adopted, but it's something to be proud of. It's a very special thing that happened to me in my life and to them. I think they really tried very hard to get me to open up to my Korean culture. Um, you know, not only talking about it all the time, but you know, sending me to Korean camp in the summer when I was little, which I Hated.
0: Tell, tell us about this. Tell us about
1: this. Oh my gosh, girl! Korean camp. Like God, love the people who make Korean camp, right? Because <laughs> I don't even know the right word, but it's like, oh, they're Korean, so let's teach them about Taekwondo. Oh, they're Korean, let's give them kimchi. Oh, they're Korean, let's show them what K-pop is. And at the time, again, like I didn't know shit about Korea, so like at the time, I was just like, well. Why in the middle of June and I go into this Korean camp when all of my friends from school are going to, like, soccer camp, they're swimming in pools together, they're just hanging, summer style, and I (laughs) gotta go to Korean camp?
0: Abby's parents were well-meaning. They sent their Korean daughter to Korean camp so she could learn about where she was born, because, to the local eye, she wasn't from, from Michigan.
1: I think I was maybe in the first grade or kindergarten and I came home from school. And so I told my mom what happened that day. And I was like, yeah, like this kid in class pulled his eyes back at me and started laughing. And I just like didn't know what that meant. (laughs) And my mom immediately looked at me and she's like, what happened? Tell me again. And I told her again and she grabbed my hand and she put me in the car, drove me down to the elementary school, which was at the end of our street. And she like stalked her way in there into the principal's office and was like, "Um, excuse me. And she just let the principal know. Looking back on it, that was her way of showing me not only that she loves me, but that I matter. Even though I don't understand what just happened to me, she certainly did. And she wasn't gonna allow that to happen on her watch.
0: But Abby's mom wasn't gonna be at school with her every day. So Abby created her own survival skills.
1: Like you have to let me sit at the table if I'm head of the class. You have to accept me into the circle if I'm the most involved person in the school. If I perform, then I'm allowed to be here.
0: By the time she got to high school, Abby did theater, yearbook, and debate, was on the pom-pom team, wrote for the school's newspaper, ran track and cross-country, was a part of student assembly, class council, and the National Honor Society. Abby used her status in school as currency. And to be honest... I did that too. When you're a kid who's Asian, who isn't surrounded by a bunch of other Asians, you get singled out and you learn very quickly about the Asian stereotypes. People expect you to play piano, violin, be good at math, be submissive. And you try to fight those stereotypes every day.
1: I was the person in my AP Calc class Not knowing dick about math, but like everyone was like, hey, can I like copy off your paper? And I'm just like, no, we should go copy off of that nerdy white kid's paper in the corner. I mean, it's just it's embarrassing to talk about now because it's just so one dimensional and basic. But that was my view of other Asian people. And that was when I was conscious of it, how I thought people were judging me.
0: That's so interesting because it's like people have this stereotype of you that you're trying to defer. Yes. But you also can't help but have that stereotype of other Asians.
1: Right. Because I still was in this thought process, this mindset of I'm not like
0: you. So Abby blended in, which works when you're surviving high school. But as you get older it becomes more complicated. One of my
1: friends looks at me and says, what have you been in
0: denial about, Abby?
1: I was just like, I don't know. I guess I thought I was white until I was 25 years old. And it kind of just hung in the air (laughs) and everyone started laughing.
0: Around this time, Abby had to tell herself,
1: hey, just want to let you know, Abby, like, you're not white and you're never going to benefit from being white. Even though you identify with that. And also, in addition to that, um, even though you look Korean, you're not culturally Korean. And so you don't belong in that space either. So then, where do you belong? On an
0: island by yourself? I don't know. For the past few years, Abby has become a collector of books, articles, think pieces about being Korean American, about being a Korean adoptee. But she buys the books and doesn't read them. She emails herself the articles, but doesn't open them. But now, Abby's thinking about having a baby.
1: All of those things have been creating a sense of urgency around figuring out more of who I am. I don't know what it is other than just fear of the unknown, why I haven't been able to crack open the book. From childhood, Nicole Chung heard the story of her adoption as a comforting, prepackaged myth. She believed that her Korean immigrant parents had made the ultimate sacrifice in the hope of giving her a better life.
0: Abby has been putting off this book called All You Can Ever Know by the author Nicole Chung for two and a half years.
1: But as Chung grew older, facing prejudice her white family couldn't see, finding her identity as an Asian-American and as a writer and eventually becoming pregnant with her first child. Damn, I missed that part last time. Whoa. Okay. Okay. She wondered if the story she'd been told was the whole truth. All you can ever know is a profound, moving chronicle of surprising connections, the search for lost roots, and the repercussions of unearthing painful family secrets. Vital reading for anyone who has ever struggled to figure out where they belong.
0: Oh, damn.
1: Reading that out loud was like, whoa.
0: That's a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot. (sighs) And I wanted you to read it out loud because I wanted to validate why this would be scary. Yeah. You know, and her becoming pregnant. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is Abby in a book. Does it feel like Pandora's box a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm trying
1: to be aware and sensitive to the fact that, like, I might read some shit that kind of fucks me up a little bit.
0: It's understandable that Abby's afraid of a book that may encourage her not to like the idea of white Americans adopting Korean babies. A book that may argue against her whole upbringing, against her own relationship with her own parents. For Abby getting closer to understanding herself by vicariously living through Nicole Chung's experience, it may cost her.
1: I think it's hard for me to talk to my parents about the identity stuff. I don't want to be ever a source of sadness or heartache for them. And so they've just been through a lot. That's, I think, unconsciously why I just decided to talk about other things.
0: But she still really wants to read the book. Because it might just be the Pandora's box she's been looking for this whole time.
1: Snooze will be back after this break.
0: Now back to the show. I think we should just go over the schedule and not even talk about the book right now. Oh, okay, cool. The plan is to finish reading the book in a month. And I'm going to do what I do. Check in regularly. And that's important because Abby is stressed. Okay, it's Abby, November...
1: 19th, it's 2.08. I'm in Los Angeles. I am in a fucking mood right now, but I felt like it would be important to do a voice memo before and after reading the first 15 pages. I've been on edge all day, so I don't know if that's because I knew I'd have to read this or because people are dumb. Probably a little bit of both. Um,
0: (laughs) But yeah, I'm about to dive in. I'm ready. I try to tell Abby, she's just reading a book, not looking into her future. But then something starts happening. Like on page 16. the strange
1: thing was that inside, I always felt I was the same as everyone around me. When I was young, I certainly felt more like a white girl than an Asian one. And sometimes it was shocking to catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror. Why hadn't my adoption transformed me into the person I felt I was? I just read this and felt like I should comment on it immediately. I've just never heard it explained in that way before.
0: And on page 17...
1: Wouldn't it be wonderful to look at your face in the mirror and know you would always belong? I just love uh, uh, these moments while reading this book where I feel like Nicole is giving me the words um, to describe a lot of just how I felt in the past.
0: And on page 27. I underlined in the description
1: They thought their daughter was just beautiful with her dark, dark eyes and bump of a nose. My parents oftentimes, when they describe my adoption story or when I was a baby, just how beautiful I was. And, you know, that little bump of a nose that I had. It's very relatable.
0: I'm starting to notice a shift. At least once a week, Abby sends me a voice memo.
1: Hey girl, it is Friday, December 3rd, Wednesday, December
0: 15th, Thursday, December
1: 16th, 350 Central Time. Coming at you from Chicago, Los Angeles, Angeles, or Nevada.
0: And I can tell she's no longer afraid of Nicole's book. Glad that I am about
1: to totally switch gears and get into some self-discovery therapeutic state so I can stop having anxiety. (laughs)
0: In fact, she looks forward to it.
1: I'm taking a break from work to do my reading for tomorrow. I have nothing else to share.
0: (laughs) See you soon. But as Abby continues reading and gets deeper into the book, the relationship between her and Nicole starts to shift. I
1: didn't really understand what she meant um, at the end of this paragraph. I did not want her to imagine that I had her only because I'd been given up. That I expected her to live out her life with us the way I might have with my original family. She wasn't here to make me complete or make up for the choices of others. She was here because we loved her. I just immediately thought she was there because we loved her. Well, I mean, our parents adopted us because they loved us, too. And I would argue that the love that our parents had for us is far different because we were chosen. They didn't have to adopt us there are moments when i read some of her thoughts and i get very defensive and almost angry or mad at her for for feeling that way i don't really know why i think sometimes it's like me naturally feeling like i need to defend my parents which is just a funny thing to experience when reading someone
0: else's story the lines between Nicole's stories and Abby's stories are blurring more and more.
1: By the time they brought me home, someone else had changed my first diaper, caught my first funny stares and smiles, taught me to drink from a bottle. How long it had taken for them to feel like my real parents? Question mark. I don't know. I just like, I don't fuck with this idea of real parents. <laughs> I just like don't subscribe to that at all. It's just like, Yes, what she's saying is true. Um, I'm sure that my parents felt a loss or grieved that they weren't there when I was first born and wondered, you know, what happened in those three months, of course. But they've been there for the 34 years and nine months of my life. We'll be back after this break.
0: The Las Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism.
1: Now back to the show.
0: As I'm listening to Abby read, I'm reminded of something we talked about at the beginning, before Abby opened the book. Also, this is not you. Right. You know what I mean? Totally, totally. Similar, interesting parallels. Yes. But you, Abby, are Abby. Yes. This whole time, I'm also reading the book, and I'm a little ahead of Abby It's clear to me that she and Nicole don't share the same perspective, let alone the same experience. But I'm not sure Abby is thinking about the differences.
1: Okay, so now we're moving into (laughs) when Nicole um, was pregnant for the first time. Oh my gosh. I literally said, whoa, out loud when I realized she named her daughter Abigail. Abby. I was like, that is just weird. (laughs) So weird. So weird. So weird. So weird. Um. She asked, she's the nurse. She asked if I knew how old my mother, sorry, your birth mother was when I was born. I shook my head. How about the birth itself? Did I have any record of how it went? I told her about my premature arrival, the two and a half months I spent in the hospital. When I said a little panic crowding my words together that I didn't know about any pregnancy complications or illnesses that ran in the family, didn't even know what had caused my mother's early labor, the midwife looked up from her clipboard with a gentle smile. When it came to pregnancy, she said some things could be hereditary. Knowing how it went for my mother might help us guess how things would go for me. But if I didn't have that information, that was fine. We just make do without it. I was so relieved to read that. Yeah, I haven't thought about these questions before. I just assumed that the fact that You know, I don't really know anything about my genetic history would be a problem, but like a problem that we would have to just ignore, you know, you know how you just have to accept things sometimes. And so just to hear that, that when it came to pregnancy, some things could be hereditary, Knowing how it went for my mother might help us guess how things would go for me. But if I didn't have that information, that was fine. It just made me feel a lot better. (laughs) Sorry, I don't know. I didn't expect to get this (laughs) Sorry, this next part's not going to be any easier. (laughs) In the section where she's talking about hearing her daughter's heartbeat for the first time, I underlined the line that said, um, all I wanted was to hear it again after she heard her heartbeat for the first time. I think, I'm, I think I'm crying because I just desire to be a mom so much. And the moment that I realize that if I am blessed enough to have a biological child, that that will be the first time I'll know what it looks like to look like somebody in my family it's just added an immense amount of pressure to get pregnant. And I'm a type A person, <laughs> very goal-oriented. So I know that families don't start with a heartbeat, but I'd be lying if I didn't say that. Like, I just want to know what that's like
0: for me oh what's up girl hi am i allowed to drink wine during this yes absolutely because yeah, that's what i'm gonna do at this point i decided to give abby a call um you said on page one, 137 that describing her daughter for the first time and how she went through all of this turmoil, um, and that you like really celebrated that moment with her. Because this is clearly about something more than her getting too invested in a story. I don't know if you like, if you lived vicariously through that moment and like what you may experience as a mother in the future.
1: I definitely live vicariously because I'm just like, oh, like, I hope that I get to have that moment, too. Mm -hmm. And then the immediate voice after that is, like, freaking out about potentially maybe not being able to have a biological child.
0: Abby has unearthed one of her biggest fears. She's reading Nicole Chung's book because she wants to have a baby, but simultaneously planning for a world where she can't have a baby naturally. If Abby can't have a baby naturally, then in family photos, there won't be someone who shares her same nose.
1: They thought their daughter was just beautiful with her dark, dark eyes and bump of a nose.
0: When she goes to the doctor's office, there won't be anyone attached to her medical history, and she won't share the complexities of living between two worlds with another member in her family. She'd still be alone.
1: Underline the word island because oftentimes that is how I describe myself. I go back and forth in reading Nicole's story where I yearn for what she's experienced. But I'm also trying to like, in a way, convince her that like, that's not the only way. It's so like, meta in a weird way, because it's like, I'm talking to myself almost. And I am talking to myself, my inner, that inner voice where I'm like, yes, like, wow, that would be great. And that is something that your heart desires. Like, if that doesn't happen in that way for you, like, that's okay.
0: I feel like that's new, though. Is that new? The like, because I know you had expressed that uh, that you were feeling like a lot of, like more pressure than usual, you know, in like having your own baby. You're going to have a baby. You're going to become a mom no matter what. And how that happens, well, almost, it, it just feels like you've let go a little bit.
1: Yeah. Obviously, this book has been a journey, you know, where I've been like, right left up down all around you know kind of sorting out how i feel about things so it's really that makes me feel really good to hear that that sounds like a a variation new information to you since we've been talking
0: and just just like abby has has a doctor or anyone told you you can't have kids no oh okay I just wanted to know that. (laughs) So like, like, okay, well then, as a friend, I'm just going to say this as a friend, (laughs) girl, manifest, you know what I mean? Like, you can have a kid, you know, like, no one is saying you can't. There's no one. No one, no doctor. You know what I mean? Like, like, literally look at the facts, you know, and don't, don't. Don't manifest the fears, right? Like, don't become the self fulfilling prophecy. Everything is in your cards, everything is in your hand to have a child the natural way. No one is saying otherwise. So lean into that fact, right? Yeah. On a chilly Thursday in Chicago, Abby sits down to finish the book.
1: Hello, it's me. Um, This is the recording for my last two sections of reading. And I feel really good about it. Uh, We've almost made it through. Um, Feels like the last section of the book was just more of like great story rather than a lot of it really applying to my experience. But hey, I'm always down for a good story, you know? So we will see how she lands this plane. Talk to you soon. Love you.
0: Have you talked to Dustin about it? Dustin is her husband. Like, have you guys been having conversations? Do you know what I walked
1: in on him doing the other day, like a couple weeks ago? No. this is how I know this is my person, right? So we work from home and I usually work upstairs and he works downstairs. A couple weeks ago, I went downstairs and he was reading the book. Um, and I was like, is that my copy or your copy? Or like, what's like, <laughs> you know? And he's like, oh no, it's your copy. He's like, I'm almost done. And I was like, oh, was like I'm not even done. Do I <laughs> like, okay. He was like, you know, like, you, if you're trying to learn more about you, like I want to learn more about you too,
0: and
1: I was just like, "Yeah, makes sense," <laughs> and it was just like very, very, very sweet um, moment. In the end, though, real growth and healing came from another kind of radical change. From finding the courage to a question, what I'd always been told, to seek and discover and tell another kind of story. And I know my children will benefit from all the things I will pass on to them now, all the truths that I'm able to share. Like, I totally agree with her that, like, And I know my children will benefit from all the things I will pass on to them and all the truths that I'm able to share. And I totally agree with her that, like, this identity journey that I've been on for the last 10 years, like, it all started because I had to have the courage to ask, you know, like, who am I?
0: December 30th, two days before the new year, Abby reads the final lines and closes Nicole Chung's book, All You Can Ever Know. Have something that you've been putting off call us 323-591-8159 that's 323-591-8159 leave us a message and you could be on an episode of snooze don't put it off i'm talking to you before i give you scenes from the next episode of snooze i want to give a shout out to everyone who made this episode possible. This episode had a lot of help from the producers who sifted through all of the conversations between Abby and I. Thank you so much, Marina Pena and Kyle Chang. Mendy Kong also helped with selects. I wrote the episode with help from Marina Pena and Eric Galindo, who also fact-checked and edited this episode. It was mixed and engineered by Donald Paz, who also contributed some original music. Jessica Pilot is our talent producer. Eric Galindo is our showrunner. I am your host. Our producers are Marina Pena and Emma Alabaster. Our associate producer is Kyle Chang. Antonia Cerejillo and Leo G are the executive producers. Our theme song is by Wayne Doepman. Andrew Eapin wrote and composed the original music for this show. The original artwork for Snooze was created by Sana Hong. Make sure you hit follow, like, subscribe to Snooze wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter or on Instagram at Megan Lee Tan and the show at Snooze Podcast. Our website on Elias.com is designed by Andy Cheatwood and the digital and marketing team who also created our branding. News is a production of Elias Studios. Thanks to the team over there, including Taylor Kaufman, Kristen Hayford, Kristen Muller, Sabir Barra, Andy Orozco, Michael Cosentino, and Leo G. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private
1: corporation funded by the American people.
0: If you like Snooze, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Trust me, it really helps us out. And we would love to know what you think. And if you love Snooze and you want to shower us with appreciation, become a sustaining member of KPCC and Elias Studios by going to Elias.com slash memberships. Support the place that supports this work that supports people like me. What do you feel like from this book you're going to tell your kids? I think the the best thing I'm going to be able to
1: tell my children from the moment they're born is that they're Korean and they're enough. And I I just love that they're going to have that opportunity to start out from day 1 knowing that because I do wonder what I would be like if I had started out in that way, too.
0: On the next episode of Snooze, we help Sarah become more of who she already is in a public way, in front of her friends, and most importantly, in front of her family. Yeah, so it's very exciting because it feels like we're finally getting stuff done with me, something that I've been putting off for years, um, simply posting me singing I'm Megan Tan, and thanks for listening. As a farmer's son from a desert region in California, J.B. Hamby thinks a lot about water.
1: I spent a lot of time digging up history, particularly about water, which is the origins of the Imperial Valley.
0: How this 28-year-old became the youngest lead negotiator on the Colorado River ever and how he could shape the most consequential negotiations to date. Listen to Imperfect Paradise, the Gen Z water dealmaker, wherever you get podcasts.